sounds like we had some interesting weeks and some busy weeks. Some people, it's the same old week. Mm -hmm. Never know which day goes by. And I don't know how many of you saw the verse that we did as the reminder um, for the, the lesson this month, but it was, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts, and with my song, I shall thank him. And I don't intend to break out in song, <laughs> but I do want to, <laughs> do want to um, spend some time thanking him this morning. So let's bow in prayer as we get started here. Father God, you are our strength and shield, and I cannot... Thank you enough for being a God who is so personally and intimately acquainted with each one of us in this room. I thank you that you know exactly the strength that we need. And I thank you for all the times that you have been our shield. Times that we weren't even aware of, Lord, that you were there protecting us. And I just thank you that we can trust in you and rest in you because you are who you are. So I pray that you would bless our time this morning, Father. Lord, um, take away the distractions from my own mind and from the others here. Lord, help us to concentrate on what the word that you have shared with us says to us so that we can know to trust you and rest in you even more as the days go on. We just thank you for this time. Thank you for each of these ladies, Lord, and the effort that it was for them to come this morning. I just pray that you would bless our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, all throughout Scripture, we um, have seen different characteristics of God. And we have even spent a lesson discussing his glory, his attributes. And last month, we talked about his love. And to single out a single attribute of God would really be doing an injustice because he is so much greater than our infinite, he's so infinite compared to our finite minds that we will never be able to understand all about our God until he gives us that um, knowledge when we get to heaven. And I can't wait for that day. But this month I want to look a little bit deeper into uh, the attribute of his omnipotence. Does anybody remember what omni means? <coughs> yes, Beth. Oh, all. So omnipotence is made up of, of two forms of a word, omni, meaning all. And if you didn't get a sheet, they're right up here on the back table. And then the second word is potent. Anybody know what that means? Powerful, yes. So he is all powerful. All powerful. Since creation, we have seen the power of God Almighty. His power spoke the world into existence with a word. He created out of nothing this. <laughs> For us to live in and to move in and to breathe in. And things, those are things we even take for granted. I know a lot of people who've been COVID patients and have ended up in the hospital 
didn't take their breathing for granted anymore because it was hard to breathe. But we breathe in and out this air that is okay to breathe because God put it in place for us. And all of these things, by his omnipotence, he holds together. And the planet keeps spinning in its space. The water only comes so far on shore. The stars hang in space just merely by the omnipotence of God. We are blessed to know him as our omnipotent God. In Genesis 17:1, God declared his power to Abram. It reads, Now when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. The name that God called himself there was El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God Almighty. So you have God and then Almighty. So he called himself, he named himself God Almighty when he spoke to Abram. And then in Exodus 6, 2 through 3, we find God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So by God Almighty, El Shaddai, he called himself to these men. But by his name, Lord, which is Yahweh in the original text, I didn't call myself the one true Lord. But Abraham obviously knew him as the one true Lord because he left a land where they worshipped a gazillion other gods to follow after the one true God. And yet God calls himself El Shaddai to Abram. And I think that was important for Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac to see because they needed the strength of the Lord to see them through what was going to be taking place over the next years of their life. And in fact, to have the covenant made with Abraham that there would be a nation, there would be peoples that came from him and his barren wife would require the power of God. And he needed to be assured of that. Moses needed that reminder that God was omnipotent because he had just gotten his marching orders to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let the Israelites go. God didn't ask Moses to go in obedience. He asked him to go in his strength. And so often we miss those little nuances when we're reading through the word of God because we're not looking at the original languages. But when you break it down and you see, he calls himself God Almighty here and he calls himself the one true Lord over here. Why does he have these different aspects to his character? Because he is more unfathomable than we can imagine. He is greater than we could ever know. Abram believed in Yahweh and was reckoned to him as righteousness. But he was going to need his strength to see him through the days ahead. And Moses, likewise. You know, Moses is a funny character to me. But then I recognize that I relate to him in so many ways. <laughs> because 
Moses would just get this, you know, he just got this command from God through a burning bush that was not being burned up. It wasn't being consumed. So this brush is on fire, and he's, this voice is coming from it. And God says, take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. And yet he still stands there and argues with this bush, <laughs> saying, I'm an unskilled in speech. I can't go talk to Pharaoh. But remember, this man came out of Pharaoh's house. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. He probably had very good teachers growing up. And he also was an overseer of the people. So to say that he was unskilled in speech just cracks me up. But I relate to it because when God called me into teaching women, I said, no, 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 you must have it wrong because I really don't want to do that, Lord. I don't, I, I'm not good enough to do this. But you know what? I don't have to rely on this. I have to rely on this. Mm -hmm. And when I rely on this to do this, it's all good. So arguing with God does no good whatsoever. He will do what he wants to do with you if you just get out of his way. He can bless you in the process. And I can vouch for the fact that he has done that in so many ways that I constantly see and recognize his power at work. Israel also recognized the power of El Shaddai, their God Almighty, seeing firsthand his power to deliver, and he delivered them time and time again, didn't he? Exodus is full of stories as they see his power in Egypt when he brought the plagues, as they see the Red Sea part before them, and the water held back until they all got through across on dry land. That still is an amazing fact. He dried the land for them to walk through. And then, when they get through, he says, watch what I'm going to do by my power. And the Egyptian army comes in, and the waters close over them, and their enemy is destroyed. They saw it every morning as manna fell from heaven. Um, by God's power, he provided. Or the way their clothes and their shoes never wore out during those 40 years. Um, and even then, his power was keeping them from going into the promised land because of their lack of faith. They saw it when they marched around Jericho. And without a sword being drawn, Jericho fell. And they saw it so in such a vivid way at that time that they thought they could just rush right into Ai and take that little town too. But what happened? They got chased right back out <laughs> because they didn't ask for God's power. They were going on their own. That's a lesson for us to learn. But time and time again, God showed his mighty power. He was their El Shaddai. In the book, Systematic Theology by C. Hodge, he writes, quote, Power in man is confined within very narrow limits. We can change the current of our thoughts or fix our attention on a particular object. We can move the voluntary muscles of our body. Beyond this, our direct power does not extend. We cannot will a book or a picture or a house into existence. The 
the production of such efforts requires protracted labor and the use of diverse appliances. We can do very little. God can do whatever he wills. We, beyond very narrow limits, must use means to accomplish our ends. With God, means are unnecessary. He wills, and it is done. He said, let there be light, and there was light. This simple idea of the omnipotence of God, that he can do without effort and by a volition, meaning by a choice, whatever he wills, is the highest conceivable idea of power, and is that which is clearly presented in the scriptures. In Genesis 17, 1, it is said, I am the Almighty God. The prophet Jeremiah explains, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power, and stretched out thy arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee, in Jeremiah 32, 17. God is said to have created all things by the breath of his mouth and to uphold the universe by a word. Our Lord says, with God all things are possible, in Matthew 19.26. The psalmist long before had said, Our God is in the heavens, he hath done whatsoever he pleased. And again, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and all the deep places. Psalm 115.3 and Psalm 135.6, end quote. We see for ourselves in Psalm 147.5, Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. And when we blend his omniscience, his knowing all things in every one of our lives, with his ability to do anything, we can fully trust and rest in him to fight every battle for us. To walk every mountain before us, to have his hand upon us, we can just trust him in all of it because it is his power. As it says in Isaiah 43, 13, even from eternity I am he, and there is nothing, none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? There is nothing that can thwart the plans of God in our lives. Not even our lame choices and decisions that we make. Doesn't matter how far off the path we get, he's got a plan to get us back on. We just have to follow him. The story of Joseph in chapter 50 of Genesis reminds us that he can take what was intended for evil and turn it into something good, something redeeming, something beneficial. And we would really do well to remember that. In Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Nothing is too hard for God Almighty. He is our El Shaddai. Listen to the words of Psalm 65. This is verses 5 through 8. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation. You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea. God is pictured as a place of security and rest and producing peace because he can be trusted. It goes on to say, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. Verse 8, they who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the 
dawn and sunset shout for joy. And doesn't he do just that? I don't know how many sunsets and sunrises I have moved and awed over, but boy, he really displays his glory sometimes in ways that just knock me to my feet. So his power is on display as he starts another day or as he sees one close. And we stand in awe of this God of our salvation. And that leads to the next point about our omnipotent God. He alone has the power to save. Amen. He alone has Amen. the power to save. Romans 8, 31 through 32 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? 2 Corinthians 13, 4. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness. He was crucified because of weakness. Yet he lives because of the of God, for we also are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. You know, as humans, we're pretty weak. We are pretty weak. We are, uh, we often succumb to our own sinful natures. We often uh, don't have the strength. Um, you know, being active and busy and on the go all the time, you realize your body needs rest. Uh, but he gives us the power that we need to accomplish everything he has for us. Amen. We have no power to do anything to save ourselves. We can't earn it. We can't build it. It is based on our faith and our belief in what Jesus did and the work that he did for us. That plan that Almighty God put in place. We are human, unrighteous, and unholy, and the only thing we have the power to do is to have faith in what Christ did for us on the cross. Amen. He did that for our weaknesses. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And it doesn't matter whether you claim Jewish or as your nationality, that includes us all. He's including us all in that. He has saved us all. He's extended that power to save us, not just us, but everyone who believes. In John 19, 10 through 11, when Jesus was taken before Pilate, before his crucifixion, Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me? You know, this is when Pilate's asking Jesus all these questions about who he is. And Jesus just sits there quietly. We talk about power under control. Jesus had power under control. He says, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus finally answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Jesus knew who the powerful one was in this scenario and he knew that nothing that happens to anyone is allowed unless it's been filtered through the hands of God Almighty. And one of the great benefits we have in Christ is that we are able to use his power to accomplish God's will. 
and the potential to do powerful things, not only for his glory, but to reveal his glory to others because it is his spirit that empowers us. And the next point that we have is that his power supplies and sustains us. Even after we are saved, we're still weak. We remain human. We are still bound by space and time. We still have fragile bodies that need rest. But his power toward us does not give us power to use for our own purposes. It's not like some superhero that God zaps omnipotence into our body when we are uh, saved. No, it's rather as we walk in Christ that we utilize his power by his spirit living and working through us. We have um, been blessed with victory in Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's see where I'm going here. So it's as we are in Christ, walking by His Spirit, that we are strengthened by His might. And the letter to the church in Ephesus begins by telling us that as believers, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It's all there for us to draw. We have like this big toolbox that he has put all this stuff into for us to get out and use when we need to use it. But it's only under the power of his spirit that that's available. Paul's prayer for the church is recorded in Ephesians 1.19 and it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. God's power is able to resurrect the dead. And one day, he's going to resurrect all of us to a new and exciting eternity with him. The word used for power in this verse is dunameo, and it's a form of the word dunamis in the Greek. It's a power that has the potential to be capable or able to achieve an objective. And it's the same root word that we get the word dynamite from. And I don't know if you've ever seen people who know how to use dynamite work, but when they're cutting a road through a mountain, they know precisely where to put those sticks of dynamite so that it does the most amount of result with the least amount of side damage. One time we were, um, we years ago had a little private plane and my husband flew back and forth to work. And thankfully he had flown it to work because when he came home that day, there was a huge hole in our hangar, in the roof. And we're, we're like, what happened? <laughs> Did the meteor hit, hit, the, hit the earth? What happened? Well, come to find out, they were extending the runway, and somebody had laid the dynamite the wrong place, and it split the rock and shot the rock in the direction of the hangars. And there were some planes that got damaged that weren't out of their hangars, but thankfully ours was out at the time, so it didn't get, didn't get damaged. But our roof had a big hole in it, 
um, there lies a big hole. <laughs> so um, they had to fix that because they didn't know how to utilize the power. If we try to go in the name of God and witness to somebody, but we are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will do more damage than if we had just kept our mouth quiet. The reason for that is because the Holy Spirit has to be part of it. He has to soften their heart. He has to direct it. If we're out there just yelling and preaching without the Holy Spirit's involvement, we will offend. And the Word of God is already offensive. We don't need to be an offender. We need to be submitted to the Holy Spirit so that he moves us to speak to who is ready to hear the word of God. So that he uses us to work in our community. We need to be careful not to just go and do as our own and just blast them with the gospel without us being under the correct power. Because if we can do more damage, then we need to get results. So there's a fine line there. And the fine line of going in his power is going in his power, not our own strength. I don't know about you, but if you're an ascetic, which means you are a do-gooder, you want righteousness, you want justice, that is a hard lesson to learn because you're going to give them a piece of your mind. They need to know about this God that they need to serve. They need this. They need that. And that all comes from our own self-righteousness. It's not from God. So we need to be back up and say, Lord, use me as you will. Speak through me as you will, rather than you just march in. Because, ladies, the Lord has softened me a lot over the years. I used to be pretty blunt. <laughs> and I used to be pretty harsh. And I probably caused some damage to some people along the way because of it. Um, and I can tell you some stories. But um, anyway, I'm just thankful that God has softened those edges and that he makes me more aware that I need to move in his power, mm -hmm. not my own. When they are precisely laid, when the power is precisely used, it does gets the most results with the least side damage. And that's what we're after. That's what God's after because he wants all to come to a saving knowledge. I don't know, in the States it would seem very rampant in the people that I talked with that they said oh I don't go to church those people are just hypocrites and I had a grandmother all she did was shove God down my throat she did more damage than she did good if she did it out of the control of the Holy Spirit now does that mean that just because you say something to somebody that and they reject it that you weren't moving the Holy Spirit no we can't determine that for you. That's between you and the Lord. If you felt led to say something, you need to say it. Whether they're going to reject it or they're not going to reject it. Because there are people in this world who will stand before you now and say, I will never ever accept Christ. And one day they will have that opportunity where they will have to say, bow on their knee and say, yes, you are God. But you know what they're going to do? I guarantee there will still be those who say, yeah, you're God. I don't want anything to do with you. That's just how people are. So we, the important fact of what I'm trying to share there is we need to live in the power of God. Whether it's to say or not say, that's up to him, not up to us.
So we need to walk in his power. Otherwise, that explosive power could be really destructive. <laughs> Some of the greatest words of encouragement, though, come from 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn there with me. 2 Peter chapter 1. Do you got your fans in your Bible today? I just get busy talking. 2 Peter chapter 1. This is one of the first inductive studies I ever did. And inductive just means that you use your Bible as your main source of study. But we use dictionaries, Bible dictionaries, and um, other helps, commentaries, and things as we were going through the study. And um, I had just finished it. I was like 26 years old. I don't know. I was so excited to learn so much about the Word and in this book. And this became so important to me. And we were, I had driven my husband to San Jose. We were living um, three miles or three hours away. And I'd driven him in the morning to go get into his work truck because they had it over the weekend doing some work on it. So I had driven back to work on Monday. And um, so we just made the long drive in. My little daughter was sitting there in her little feety pajamas because we left like it. Like 2.33 in the morning to get there in time. And we, uh, she and I, after we dropped my husband off, decided to go get some breakfast before we headed back. So I'm sitting in Denny's, which is a restaurant, and um, there's like this big corner booth behind me, and I'm sitting in the little booth next to it. And it's a group of men. And apparently they were a lot of new believers. And they were having a Bible study. And they asked one of the guys asked the leader, how do I know I'm living like God wants me to live? And the leader didn't have an answer right offhand. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking about first, or Peter, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, and finally I jumped up out of my seat and I said, can I share something with you? <laughs> and I'm laying over the, the table, you know, and over the side of the booth. And I go, can I have your Bible? Just, just give me your Bible real quick. So he gives me the Bible, and I turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and this is what I read. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these things he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence supply knowledge, and in your knowledge self-control, and in self-control perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are how we know we're living for God. Are they increasing in our life? Are we allowing his power and his precious and magnificent promises to make us godly and have a life that is representing him. So you can imagine those guys were a little overwhelmed when this little 
gals on Facebook to send me a verse. And I would uh, read the verse during the week, every day, and I would pray for that person that sent me the verse so that every day that week she would be prayed for. And um, if you want to participate, give me a verse because I hoped to fill my calendar up for the whole year to do this, but I'm running out. I have one more week of verses that someone sent and then I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. So please give me your name and your, your verse and I will add you to my prayer calendar. But it has been such an incredible um, experience to do. And some, I, I didn't come up with this myself. I took it from another friend who's doing the same thing. And then another friend took it from there. So anyway, um, I know at least I'm being prayed for, for two weeks this year. But it's just a really, it's been a really encouraging thing to do. But I was reading um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 last week was the verse that I was reading. And it's, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And then I take that verse, and there were actually several verses surrounding that, 8 through 10. But I took those verses, and then I started studying them in the original and reading some dictionaries about Bible dictionaries about it and things. And I found these words in one of the Bible dictionaries as I was studying the text. Quote, God's power operates in the weak and corruptible sphere of human existence. That's a very strange thing. God takes what is weak and he uses his power within us. It's thus visible only to faith, but for this very reason it is known as divine, not human power. And I am sure that if I were to go around this room and ask you ladies, how many times you have experienced God's power in a situation, you would be able to tell a story or two, or three, or four. Because you know it's God. You know you're not capable of doing whatever it is that you're doing, but his power shows up, and you see it through your faith. It's your faith that recognizes this is God at work, and it's divine and not human. It says that Christ was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives, and, that res and he was resurrected by the power of God. You realize the trust that Jesus, human, had when he, who had never been separated from the Father and the Spirit before, was going on that cross to die for our sins. And for the first time ever, would be separated because he would take on the sins of the earth. He would take on our sin, our weakness, and be separated from God. And the trust that he had to have that God would resurrect him to its former glory. Do you remember the prayer that he prayed the night before? You know, not my will, but yours be done. But he said, you know, I just want to be returned to my former glory, which was God. He was God in the beginning, right? He was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And he became flesh and dwelt among us. He was going to be returned to that former glory, but it took trust as a human for him to realize that God was, that's the plan. This is the plan. God's going to raise me, and I'm going to be my former glory. But he still went to die on that cross and be separated from God and his spirit for the first time. 
Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is not on your sheet. Um, so you might want to write the text down. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going to look at 3 through 5. I think it's an important one for us as humans to look at. Somebody want to read that for us? Verses 3 through 5. taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 
Uh, we know that Christ obeyed everything that the Father gave him to do, that the Spirit led him to do. He obeyed it 100% of the time. That's the type of obedience that we are called to. And we have the potential in Christ, but it requires us denying ourselves and taking up his cross and walking with him. His obedience is what we're after. And so when thoughts creep in that are not from God, we are to take those thoughts, hold them up and examine them in light of who Christ is, and say, is this what Christ would do? Is this how Christ would react? And if they are not, we need to get rid of them. And I remember, it's only been a few years ago when I first realized that this verse was not saying to take them captive and hold on to them. <laughs> You know, you have those thoughts, and it's like, okay, I am, I am not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be jealous. And we hold on to it. Instead of looking at it in the obedience of Christ and saying, I'm not going to be jealous. That is not trusting God in the situation. And you set it aside. You let it go, just as Jesus. Jesus didn't hold on to those sinful thoughts. If he had a thought, he held it up to God, and he said, does this measure up with God's life and his word? No, and he didn't, he didn't do it. It was 100% of the time he reacted in the right way, and that's what we're aiming for. So ladies, it's true that we are in a spiritual battle, and we need to stop fighting as if we're on the losing side. Mm, amen. How many amen. times do we fight the battle? Amen. Oh, I'm just too weak. No, we have the power of God Almighty <laughs> to say no. Yes, yes. 1 Corinthians 10.13, we are going to be tempted. Yes. We are going to have to endure them. Because you know the end of that phrase in, in 1 Corinthians 10.13 where it says um, that we will be tempted, but he will not be tempted beyond what we were able. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. Amen. So that we can endure. He's not removing the temptation. He's just giving us the power to say no, even in it. And we need to be warriors, princess warriors, yes, but we need to be warriors to stop fighting like we're on the losing side. Amen. Amen. We have been given Amen. victory in Christ Jesus. We need to control our thought life. We need to control our reactions to other people. We need to control our mouths. Amen. You know, I used to Amen. I used to always quote that verse about um, no coarse jesting, no unwholesome talk. Mm -hmm. And then one teacher pointed out, but only say what's encouraging in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I used to use that for people who, you know, used coarse jesting or foul language or whatever. And then it's like, no, it applies to me too. Mm -hmm. If I'm not saying words that are encouraging, not speaking what his truth is. So we need to be mindful of what our mouth is doing, what our thoughts are doing, what our reactions are doing. And you know, hopefully, as we mature in Christ, our reactions will be more Christ-like, right? That's the goal. As we apply moral excellence, then we will supply, in our faith, we will supply moral excellence and godliness and brotherly love, and it ends up with Christian love. And that's where we're heading. And that's exciting if we're heading in the right direction. Yes. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on 
that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our final point this morning is that God has power over all eternity. He has power over all eternity. We know how the book ends. And we are living in some perilous times, as it talks about, in these last days. But he is God over all eternity. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. We have a future with him. First Corinthians 15, 53-57 says, For this perishable shall put on imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about that saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Two of Satan's most commonly used weapons against mankind is sin and death. We've seen that in the last few years, haven't we? The people so afraid to die. And it should have been a wake-up call to a lot of people. But when El Shaddai, the God Almighty, steps in, sin no longer is going to have power over us. Hallelujah. <laughs> it will no longer have power over us. And that temptation that he's made a way to escape will be a done deal. We will not have that anymore. And as far as death goes, I hope you write along with Paul when he wrote in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. When Amen. we have that mindset, Amen. what can man do to me? Amen. You, you mean I'm going to die? Amen. Yeah, we're all going to die. Amen. You mean I'm going to die in a scary way? Well, if that's the Lord's will. <laughs> you mean I'm going to die in my sleep? If that's the Lord's will. Amen. But whether we are alive or whether we die, we are with Christ and God of all power, has eternity waiting for us. What a happy homecoming that's going to be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, so many times I hear people say, oh, I wish so-and-so was here that had passed before. And I'm thinking, if they're in heaven, they don't want to come back. Hello? They're very happy where they are. <laughs> they don't want to come back. They're very happy where they are. So, yes, we, we do grieve those who have gone before us, but we don't grieve as those without hope. Amen. We have hope. God has all power over eternity. In Luke 21, 
eternity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Amen. Positionally, in Christ, we've already been redeemed. Amen. He has redeemed us when he died on that cross and paid the price for us. But we haven't yet experienced that redemption in the fullness that we will in eternity. And he, and when we are know that these things that we're living in now, there are signs, there yes. are there are dismay yes. and disorder. They're concerned about the environment, yes. they're concerned about everything around us. But it is not going to fall apart. It is not going to be destroyed. Man cannot destroy it because God said in his word that he is the one who holds it together. Yes. And so if we believe in God, we know God can't destroy it. Amen. Before God is ready to That's call right. it an end. That's right. And on that day, ladies, he is going to say to his son sitting next to him, go get your bride. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Woo, chill books. <laughs> so exciting. So, yes. we have a redemption yes. in Christ. And the signs are all there. God Almighty, who is in great power, is holding all things in place, and he will send his son to call his children home. And this period of time that we are now living in, the church age, will be over. And the Lord God Almighty will reign forever. Hallelujah. It's described in the book of Revelation, Revelation 19.6. I'll close with this. When I heard something like a voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for our Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. What a time that will be. Finally, one will rule in perfect justice and perfect righteousness. There will be no more sin, no more tears, no more sorrow. Now I am Amen. Amen. So the power of God, we've all seen it at work in our lives. And if we're not, we need to look a little bit at our faith. Where's our faith? If our faith is in God, we will see him at work because he is powerful. We have to just look around us and mm -hmm. see his power. Mm -hmm. Father God, we thank you so much for who you are. That you are the Lord, our strength. You are a shield about us. And I just praise you for how you use that power to hold all things together until the day that you call us all home. Father God, what a pleasure it will be to be in your presence. But help us to walk in the presence of your spirit now so that we can accomplish what you want to accomplish, so that we can do the things that you have planned for us to do, so that we can do those good works Lord, help us to not be fearful. Help yes. us to not argue with you about yes. what you have called us to do. Help us to not question whether or not you're calling us to do it. Lord, if you have led us, and you, we know that's, that small voice in us that is telling us to do something, if we're listening, Lord, you will direct us. So help us to listen wholeheartedly. Help us to obey. Help us to take those thoughts captive into obedience of Christ. Help us to walk in your spirit daily Amen. by your power 
our provision when we mess up and we do foolish things and we call and then he still provides for us. Um, his grace, he our cry like I cry out to him last night for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And it's his grace. Um, another thing, I am weak every day. Every day I am weak. I have to, every minute of every day I am weak. I could supply, I, you know, I have to put some, come to the flesh. But it's God's grace and His word give me the strength and the courage and the faith that I am not going to, I am above my circumstances, not below. Never, ever, ever. I am above, and people are be like, what's wrong with you? And sometimes if you could come off as kind of cold, like you said, like, or I'm, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need nobody to take me there. Right. And it's okay, but then we don't need to. We don't, I, I understand that they look at me and I need nobody to take me there. Uh, 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 uh. No. I don't want nobody to have a pity party with me. Amen. There's a time and a place and a moment for that. But every minute, all day, weeks, I don't need a dime doing me no good. Speak God's word over my situation and we go angry and things don't happen. I'll shut up, but like I say, I have a testimony. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 That's true. Anybody else? Thank you, Tony.